0: I am glad that you are here, and glad that I could be here, and I'm glad for those who can't be here who are watching online. Uh, It's it's nice that we can do stuff like that. Uh, Yesterday we had, or Friday, we had a memorial service for my dad, and uh, some of the family members couldn't be there. In fact, most of the family members couldn't be there. Once traveling from out of state, if they come to Arizona right now, then they have a mandatory 14-day quarantine before they can go back to work uh, in the states where they live. And so my dad's brothers and sister and a couple of my brothers couldn't be there. And uh, very few of the grandkids were even able to be there. But uh, it's, it's nice that they could watch online. Uh, and feel like they were participating a little bit. So uh, those of you who regularly attend Victory, but you're not here right now, thanks for tuning in. And uh, they're praying for us. Uh, So uh, we're going to open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and this morning we're looking at set apart and linked together, set apart and linked together. Kind of like the seating in the room right now, set apart, right? Set apart and linked together. Father, as we look to your word, we pray that you would speak into our hearts and lives. We thank you that you knew this would happen long before you even created the earth. You knew all things and know all things. You know the future and you know the paths that we take. So we thank you that we can trust you completely. If we get COVID and live, then we'll praise you for the healing. If we get it and die, we'll praise you because we'll be in heaven. And if we don't get it, we'll praise you for protecting us. But I thank you that we don't have to live in fear. We can trust and follow you. And so we pray as, as uh, we are opening your word, may you speak to our hearts with uh, clarity uh, may you help us see areas where we need to grow and mature and may you help us see areas where we're doing well and we can feel encouraged in Jesus name I pray amen set apart and linked together we're going to begin in just a moment in first Corinthians but a little background uh, the great Greek city of Corinth had been destroyed by the Romans they just tore it apart and then in 46 BC, uh, Julius Caesar rebuilt uh, the city of Corinth. And uh, by the time Paul arrived in Corinth around 50, 51 AD, 50 or 51, uh, he was already it was already a thriving city again. And Corinth is down in southern Greece. There's a main part of Greece, and then there's a smaller part of Greece. And in between, there's an. an <laughs> I cannot say that word there's there's a stretch of land in between and Corinth is on that stretch of land and so in the city of Corinth you know uh, to the west what do we have on the west of Cassagran desert on the east of Cassagran however we have desert well, uh, Corinth was a little the opposite. On the west of Corinth, they had the Bay of, uh, Gulf of Corinth and then the Gulf of Paphos and then it would go across the northern Mediterranean Sea to Italy. And then on the east of Corinth, uh, they had the Mediterranean Sea and you could go up right very close to Turkey, what was then called Asia Minor. You could go up to what's now the Black Sea. Uh, you can uh, go. And so uh, Corinth was an important place. Uh, there were traffic going back and forth, lots of shipping, lots of land traffic all over. And so the, the city of Corinth was about as far, uh, (laughs) the city of Corinth is uh, about as far from Italy as our missionary Jessica Murphy, uh, I'm sorry, the city of Corinth is about as far from where our missionary Jessica Murphy is in Albania. Did I get that right that time? Okay, Corinth, Albania. They're they're about as far as we are from San Diego. So give just give you something to think about. Okay? Fun facts, right? Yeah, I think I finally got it right. Let's move on to stuff that will be right. All right, the citizens of Corinth prided themselves on on their tolerance for debaucheries and boasted a pluralistic society allowing many religions, and and it was anything goes, and they were proud of that. And and the book of Acts teaches us that. The Apostle Paul was formerly known as Saul from Tarsus, and he was a man who persecuted Christians, and he hated the very name of Jesus. And then on the road to Damascus, the bright light, he met Jesus face to face, and he trusted Jesus as his Savior, and then committed to serve him as his Lord. Uh, And then Paul went on missionary journeys. And while Paul was in Corinth uh, on his missionary journey, reaching people for Christ, uh, there was a kind of a riot. The Jewish people there were upset that Paul was uh, talking about Jesus in the same way Paul used to be upset about people doing that. And there was a guy who was the... Uh, At that time, they rotated through, so there's a couple different rulers of the synagogue in Corinth mentioned in Acts 18, but Sosthenes was the last one mentioned in Acts 18. And so Sosthenes was the ruler of the synagogue, and the Jews who were upset about Paul just beat Sosthenes. Now, the Bible doesn't say that at that time Sosthenes was a believer, But apparently, he became a believer because at the time of this writing, in verse 1, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. Now, I read that wrong when I was a kid. I thought God and Sosthenes called Paul. (laughs) The truth is, Paul was called by God, and now Paul and Sosthenes are sending this letter. Why couldn't he have been called Bob? That's a long name. So, uh, And they're both of them sending back. And the Apostle Paul spends a lot of time in this letter correcting, answering questions, and correcting inappropriate things going on in the church of Corinth. So Paul and his now brother in Christ, Sosthenes, are sending this letter to the believers in Corinth. Verse 2. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, and with all who in every place call on the name of our Lord, both theirs and ours. All right, pause right there just a moment. I want you just from this verse to look at the nature of the church as described here. The church is too big a concept and mentioned too many times in Scripture to address all of it at once. But just what's mentioned here, I want you to look at it. It says it is the church of the Church of God. Okay? The, the ministry of the church is God's work. It's God's work. When you put your offering in the basket back there, or you have it sent in online, or you go to our website and click and have it paid, then, then you are supporting the work of God. The people who receive income from this church, the, the, people who serve on the staff, they're getting paid with holy money that have been given to God. The missionaries get holy money that you give to God, get sent on to, to support the mission work right here in Casa Grande and also to support the mission works around the world where we are have the opportunity to partner with people. But But the church is not an organization gathered together and constructed and designed by men. It's not. And you know it's not designed by man because it's had all kinds of problems and 2,000 years later it's still here. If it had been designed by man, it would have fallen like Rome fell. It's designed by God. This is a work of God. What we do is a work of God. God planned for the church and God established who is the head of the church. And who's that? Jesus Christ. Jesus is the head of the church, and all of us are equally in submission to Jesus. Second thing we see about it's the church of God, what else does it say in verse 2? What's the next thing it says after the church of God? Which is at Corinth. It's a local assembly. That's what churches are. They're local assemblies. There is a, an idea, concept of the universal church, and people talk about that all the time. Oh, uh, the church. I have a friend, he always calls it the big C church, not the little C church. Uh, and, and there is a universalness to Christianity. There are my brothers and sisters in Christ in communist countries being persecuted today, and they're my brother and sister in Christ. They're part of The church. But most of the time in the Bible, in fact, more than a hundred times in the New Testament, it talks about a local assembly of believers. It's not just the church, but a church. And there's more than 24 different congregations mentioned. Either it mentions a person who has a church in their house, or it mentions a city that has a church like Corinth has a church. And so uh, Victory Baptist Church is just as important to the work of God. It's just as important to the heart of God as the church of God in Corinth. This is the church of God called Victory Baptist Church in Casa Grande or Casa Grande. You can say it either way, just don't mix it up. Don't say Casa Grande Okay, it's Casa Grande or Casa Grande. So the local assembly, and, and that's important. That's an important distinction. Most of the time in the New Testament, in the Scripture, it speaks of the church as a local assembly of believers. And I know there's some of you online, you, you're not assembling right now. Well, you assemble with believers in your home, hopefully. You're on Facebook, you're connecting, you're ministering. Do what you can to make it happen. All right, the next two I'm going to put up together. Uh, the, the members are sanctified and they're called to be saints. Look at it. Verse 2. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. So, uh, Paul uses two separate ways to describe how church members are connected with God. Sanctified means to be set apart. So, for the purpose of this service, this has been set apart for the communicating of God's Word. Before COVID, we used this for making announcements. We used this for leading the singing. Right now, it's used only for the preaching of God's Word. A piano could play in a honky-tonk bar, it can play in a a cowboy bar, but but this piano is sanctified, it's set apart for God for the use here. Occasionally there's a recital here and kids play stuff that's ridiculous, but most of the time, now they, they play it well but it's some silly songs right so so sanctified means to be set apart and then to be saints means to be sacred or set apart and sometimes the way we talk about it it's like it's synonymous If you're sanctified, you're set apart, you're a saint. If you're a saint, then you're sanctified, you're set apart, it's all the same. But actually, uh, it's not quite. I want you to notice this little bit of difference. And that sanctified is something God does on your behalf. God has set you apart unto himself. He's made you part of his family. So, Ben, when did you get saved? 1989, and how old were you then? Okay, he was 12 years old in 89. I was a little older than that, 89. All right, so in 89, Ben trusted Christ. When did we meet? 2013? Okay, so from 1989 to 2013, Ben and I were brothers in Christ. Did we know it? No, nope. In fact, the first time Ben showed up here for the church, I wasn't even here. I don't remember whether I was on vacation or out sick. I don't remember. Uh, I was at camp. I was working at camp. That's right. So, so the first time Ben showed up here, I was ministering up at camp. But, but God made us family, and he set us apart from all the people on planet Earth who do not follow him. There's some wonderful, kind, gracious people who believe in something that's not true. They're not trusting in Christ. They're trusting in their own ability. They're trusting in their goodness. They're trusting in in their spirit. They're trusting in some false teacher or some false faith. Uh, But God has set us apart. We are His people. And so there's certain things that Ben and I equally cannot do because we belong to God. There's other things Ben can do that I can't do because he has skills that I don't have. But there's things that God limits his people, things he doesn't want to see. And that's like set apart to God. By God, set apart unto himself. And he makes you part of his family. He adopts you into his family. And then uh, the word called to be saints, then, is his invitation for you to live up to that set-apartness. You are set-apart to God. God has set you apart. Now he calls you to live up to it, to live like a saint. So we have St. Benjamin with us here and St. James here with us today, and We have Saint Timothy there and there, First and Second Timothy. And, And we're all called to be saints. And that this is that we would make wise and holy decisions that are consistent with the work of God in our heart and lives. We can be lazy. God does not want to see that happen. We can be comfortable with a certain measure of sin. We'd all get uncomfortable with big sin, right? But we can get comfortable with a little bit of self-righteousness, a little bit of self-indulgence. We can be comfortable with that. In fact, most of you kids, you can be comfortable with a certain measure of disobeying your parents. You know, I mean, you don't want to do bad stuff, but a little bit. Well, God doesn't want us to be comfortable. He has called us to be saints. He's called us to take that sanctification that He has done to set us apart and then work it through our whole life so that we are living up to what He wants to do in us. Hey, that's hard. That's hard for you, that's hard for our deacons, that's hard for our pastor. That's a challenge. In fact, years ago in the nursery, one mom was talking to a little kid and talking to her own kid, and she said, everyone's a sinner. And the kid said, Yeah. And does your mommy sin? Yeah. Does your daddy sin? Yeah. Does Pastor Green sin? Yeah. Does Mrs. Green sin? Oh no. <laughs> But but we're called to work it out in our life. Everybody. Everybody is. So if you're five years old or six years old or seven years old or 80 years old, God has called you to work this out in your life. You live up to what God has done. And he has raised this bar so that you are sanctified and set apart to God. Now, we can work at it. And we can grow at it. And The cool thing is, when we fail... If we confess our sins, what does he do? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because he's awesome God. So there's a, a, a another thing here uh, about the, the nature of the church that we see in verse two. What's the next thing? The end of verse two. To with all who in every place call on the name of our Lord, both theirs and ours. So this morning in this church, Jim Rikosi has prayed and Ben has prayed and I have prayed. And Solomon was praying in India this morning. And Josiah was praying in <laughs> one of the African countries. I always get him mixed up. Uh, which one's he in? Kenya. Solomon, he was Josiah was praying in Kenya, and, and Jessica Murphy was praying in Albania and, and the missions that we help support in Australia. And all around the world, people have been calling on the name of the Lord. People have been gathering together as much as they're allowed, as much as they can physically accomplish. They've been gathering together in the name of Christ. And and when we pray, we pray to the Father. In the name of the Son, Jesus Christ said, we pray, our Father. There's an intimacy that we have with God, our Father in heaven. And then he says, we pray in the name of his Son. So people all over. On on Friday we had the memorial service for my dad, and the church was disinfected ahead of time, like we do here. And and the fam, our family, we all wore masks, and uh, and uh, we practiced social distancing. They had they don't have chairs there; they have pews, and they had areas taped off where you could not sit there, and that sort of thing. And and then we we, uh, we did what we could, and. We had believers there who were from Flagstaff, from Sholo, from Pine Top, from Casa Grande, from Tucson, from Vale. Uh, believers gathered from all over. And, and so we, we prayed to the Lord in the same place. And we had some of those people who were gathered there were they were born in dozens of different states. And some of them were born in foreign countries, including my older sister, born in France. And, and the, but God brings us all in, and He makes us all family, and everybody from every place, we call on the name of the Lord. Now, we call on His name for salvation, expressing our belief and trust in Him. We call on His name in prayer, and we even call ourselves by His name. We are Christians, Christians, ones who follow Christ and are supposed to act and look a bit like Christ. So today all over the world, believers have gathered to worship the name of the Lord. Look at verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to think next about the heart of God, the heart. Of God. And and so he talks about the people and now he's focusing them on God. And there's two big ideas here that he shares. The first is God's grace. This means God does not give us what we deserve. Ben, can I use you for an illustration? Is that okay? Now you're really worried what I'm going to say, aren't you? Listen, several years ago at, at camp, (laughs) <laughs> back when I worked at camp and Ben was there at camp with me and, and we had a few rules not, not a huge number of rules but a few rules and one of them that was like one of the minor rules but Ben had violated that rule and so I sat down with Ben and I said so Ben we got game time coming up and I was game director there and I said uh, you broke that rule didn't you and he said I did I'm sorry, and I said, all right, and it wasn't a major thing, you know, but I said, what do you think would be an appropriate consequence because you broke that rule? Now, if you know Ben, you know that he, he was really ready for game time. He was going to go. He was one of the fastest, quickest kids out there, and he was going to show his stuff, right? And so he hung his head, and he said, I guess I shouldn't be allowed to play games. And I said, do you think that would be appropriate? And he said, yes. And I said, you're sure? <laughs> he said, yes. I said, okay, Ben. I said, I completely agree with you. That would be an appropriate response to what you did. And then I said, but, but Ben, I'm going to show grace. I'm going to let you play. Well, do you think Ben said, oh, no, no, I don't want grace. I I want the punishment, man. Let me have it. No, man, Ben's like, yes! I don't think he hugged me, but on the inside, he really wanted to. You know, he was so excited he got out there to play. You know, he was ideal the rest of the week. We love grace when we receive it. It's a little harder when we have to give it out, but but we love God giving us grace. See, the Bible says that we were lost. We were dead in trespasses and sins. By the biblical description, we truly were hell-bound sinners. But God, in His grace, has saved us to the uttermost. Completely and absolutely saved. Uh, as Paul told the believers in Ephesus, by grace you have been saved through faith. It's a gift we receive from God. Grace. It even has a pleasant sound to it, doesn't it? Grace. You know, sanctification just doesn't have that smooth, pleasant sound. Grace. Grace. In the last sentence of the Bible the absolute last message that God would record on planet Earth. When the Holy Spirit was inspiring the Apostle John to write this message from God to man to prepare them for the future and to encourage them to trust and follow Jesus Christ, the very last words written, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. That's how the Bible ends. That's how important grace is to God and how vital it is to us. God of grace and God of glory, we appreciate His grace. The second word used in there talking about God is peace, peace, and this is a peace is the uh, the ending of hostilities. Hostilities have ceased because according to the Bible, before Dawson trusted Christ as his Savior, he was an enemy of God. He didn't feel like an enemy of God necessarily in his heart. Some of you were older when you got saved, and you recognize your eneminess with God before you got saved. When you're saved younger, it's harder to see that. But if you get saved at three and four and five years old, the Bible still says you are an enemy of God. You have an enmity, a striving relationship between you and God. And and so peace is the absence of those hostilities. When you trust Christ, God declares peace in your relationship. Even a little kid lives like they're in charge, right? All little kids do. Have you ever known a little kid who was two years old, who every single time they were confronted by their parents, spoke respectfully and said, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, or okay? Not every time, sometimes. Some kids were really good kids. Some, some of, I guess most of ours were pretty good kids, way better kid than I was. But my mother-in-law says when I married Kathy, I raised my gene pool. So uh, maybe there's some truth to that. But listen, when you trust Christ, God declares peace. The greatest peace treaty in the history of the world is when a sinner says, God, forgive my sins. Christ be my savior. And God says, okay. And there's a peace treaty signed and and you are granted a full pardon. And not only does he forgive your sins, but then he adopts you into his family and he makes you one of his beloved and he sets you apart unto himself. So, God's peace, this verse 4 says, this grace and peace from God the Father is a gift from God that you enjoy joyfully and exclusively through Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you by Christ Jesus. It is exclusively through Christ. I had a friend in high school when I was a brand new believer, and he said, listen, the Bible says if you've kept the faith, then you're going to be okay. So if you're raised Buddhist, you follow Buddhist tradition, you'll be okay. Raised Hindu, whatever. Whatever faith you're raised in, if you stick with it, then when you get before God, you'll be okay. And I said, you're missing the most important word in that sentence, kept the faith. Not kept a faith, but kept the faith faith. There's only one faith that says you cannot earn your salvation. You receive it as a free gift from God by grace through faith. There is the faith. And so if you're here today or if you're watching online and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you need to do that today. He wants to show his grace to you. He'd delight to show his grace to you. He'd be thrilled with it. By grace through faith, you can be saved. Now, we're going to take a little less time, but we're going to look at a couple more verses. Okay, look in verse 5. Verse 5, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. He's talking about here the community of God's people the community of God's people because we are set apart and linked together. Set apart and linked together. Can you go ahead and bring that up? I just want to focus on this image. Uh, the linked together, it actually looks kind of like chain link, the, the way the letters are put together there. Uh, Megan did that for me. Linked. We are connected Together in Christ. So uh, in verse 5, God put in the church what that church needs that you were enriched in everything by Him, in all utterance and all knowledge, so that in every church you have people who can teach and preach the Scripture to help you grow and mature in Christ. Every church. There are people who can do that. In fact, if I were sick today and I came down sick at the last minute, uh, then probably Tim Pennick would be up here teaching and preaching God's truth. Or Ben Qualls would be up here. Or maybe we'd call somebody from some of the other preachers I know up in the valley. Uh, There's always people within the assembly who can do some of the teaching and some of the preaching. In fact, Thursday night, we had different people here helping kids learn Bible verses and, and connect with that. We didn't have a message, right? There was no message time, and that it was just working with the kids to pass their reviews and pass their verses. And, and, uh, but there were, how, how many people did you have here helping? Remember? Tim's the counter, Clarinda's the experiencer, right? Ten I feel sorry for that ishy one, but 10-ish. <laughs> oh, there was 10, and then there was old ish, you know. He <laughs> wasn't much help. But... All right, so we had 10-ish people here. We had 25 kids here, and all of those kids had somebody helping them learn a verse of Scripture. Because God puts in every church people can help do that. And guess what? You're one of them. You may never teach a Sunday school class and a Wana lesson, preach a sermon. You may never do that, but you can help people learn and follow the Word of God. Just share your own testimony of how God is working in, in your heart and in your life. And then look in verse 6. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. See, in Corinth, they had eyewitness testimony of what God did through Jesus Christ. It was confirmed or proved or affirmed that what they were now learning. And so we find that proof in the historical record of Scripture. We have the Scriptures, it, the Scriptures include 4,000 years of human history of people who knew and trusted and followed God, and it also includes the stories of those who didn't, and how they suffered in this life, and how much more in the life to come. And then uh, we have the Holy Spirit. When you receive Christ, you also receive the Holy Spirit. He actually lives within you. The Holy Spirit of God inside you, helping you make decisions. I remember one day, years ago, I was pastoring in Sawarita, a little town south of Tucson. And we had a parsonage that was right by the church. It was actually on the church property. So uh, to go from the front door of the church to the front door of our house was... Not a whole lot farther than going out the front door here and going over to the office. Our, our, our mobile home was pretty close to the church. And you cross the courtyard and go up. And so I was at home one day. It was my day off. I didn't have shoes on. I, I was barefoot. I had just shorts and a t-shirt. I get a knock on the door and there's this guy who says, Hi, my name is Pete Rice. And I'm an international evangelist, and I'm looking at making this area my headquarters for our international ministry and I wondered if you could talk to me for a minute now, what you don't know is how many times churches get calls like that. people call they're missionaries they you know they they want here God's leading them here they want to and, There's all kinds of times we get calls to connect with ministries. And, you know, I was at home. I was barefoot. I was comfortable. And I told him, you know, now's not a good time. He said, okay, okay, no problem. You know, no problem. He said, we'll talk another time. And he turned and he got about four steps away. And as I was shutting the door, the Holy Spirit said, you get out there and you meet with this guy. And I opened the door. I said, wait a minute. Hang on. I'll be right with you. And I quickly got some shoes on, and we ran over to my study over in the church, and we sat down, and we talked, and we prayed together, and God knit our hearts together. And we've shared in ministry in Mexico and in Cuba and here in Arizona uh, many, many times over the years because the Holy Spirit said, go. And I haven't always listened to the Holy Spirit, but I'm sure glad I did that day. So we have the Word of God, and we have the Holy Spirit of God, and, and then we also have the testimony of believers in Christ. I mean, Alice could share the testimony of her salvation before most of you were born. In fact, I could share the testimony of salvation before a whole lot of you were born. How many of you were born after 1976? Raise your hand. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, I'm old. Okay. <laughs> And and the thing is, when I got saved, Kathy had already been saved for more than a decade. Uh, So we, we get saved and we come to Christ and then we have this testimony and we can share. And so if you're going through a hard time, in fact, they, they have different groups to help moms going through the same trouble. You know, I've always encouraged ladies, find an older lady who's already been through it. So if you're having a lot of trouble with your middle school son, find a lady whose middle school son is now college age and they have a good relationship and learn from her you know, to, to get beyond what you're going through right now. But, but listen, we learn a lot from these people. And I had no idea before I got saved, God was putting me in the path of a lot of older people who could help me follow Christ. And some of the things I learned from those people before I got saved, God then used in my life after I got saved. He would remind me of what he'd already put in there. So we have the testimony of those who've walked with God ahead of us. We don't have anybody who has a personal Jesus in the flesh testimony. In fact, if somebody comes to you and says they had a a Jesus in the flesh moment, you should be afraid of them. Because the Bible says Jesus is in heaven, interceding for us before the throne of God. And if so, if if there's somebody they think is Jesus on earth, it's a demon pretending to be Jesus. Because the Bible tells us where Jesus is. He's not coming down here again till he comes to the clouds to get us and take us home to be with Him. Look at verse 7. God has given certain individuals spiritual gifts to help and serve in the church so that you may come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Uh, for several chapters in this letter, Paul actually uh, addresses abuses of spiritual gifts going on in Corinth. And they were using different gifts as a weapon against other people instead of loving and serving one another. And so Paul has to correct that from them. But God has guaranteed our eternal home in heaven with Him, waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, and verse 8, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God has guaranteed it. In verse 6, it talks about confirmation there to verify and validate what had been taught. Verse 6 is looking back. But in verse 8, it's future-focused. It's uh, what's going to take place in heaven when Jesus Christ securely and uh, permanently, unconditionally proves that we are His and He is ours forever. God connects us fully and completely with Himself. So we're going to sing a song that encourages us in our relationship with Christ. We are the church, or we are your church, actually.